Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, uh, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It's good to be back in the Lord's house today. Uh, Brother Lyons, would you open us in a word of prayer?
Hebrews chapter 12. 
Hebrews chapter 12. The Lutkes who have been with us, um, the builders, uh, they are in Texas for a missions conference. They went on Saturday and uh, they'll be back sometime Thursday. And then uh, he and Brother Lalo will get back to work uh, on the front appreciate the progress they've made, and um, then uh, once uh, they get back, they'll work, and then he, a week later, he has to go to South uh, Dakota and be up there for a weekend uh, in a missions conference, and then they'll be back, we'll get all finished up and get done. Our pianos are about ready to be delivered. don't know where we're going to put them yet, but they're about ready to be delivered. We're getting measured for carpet this week. So uh, things are coming along, and uh, we sure praise God for that, and uh, appreciate uh, your patience. And the one thing I found out is insurance moves at their own um, their own timetable, and uh, so we've just kind of been at their mercy in some of these areas. Uh, but I'm glad to see it's finally getting done. So hopefully by the new year, I'm not going to laugh too hard because uh, I really, hopefully by the new year, everything will be great, right? Amen. God is good. Hopefully by the new year, we're celebrating that in heaven. Wouldn't that be awesome to be there, uh, be out of this world and uh, all that, uh, the issues that it creates itself. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, if you can, stand with me in reverence to the reading of the word of God. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 17. 14 through 17. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby may be defiled, or many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For we know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Lord, we love you today, and we thank you for your many blessings to us. For it's our prayer and our desire that we would meet with you, that you might be honored and glorified through the preaching of your word here today. So Lord, I, I just want to be a conduit. I want to be usable in your hands to bring forth the truths. That you've allowed me to study and to think on this week. And Lord, uh, that you would just use me as a mouthpiece for your glory. We do beg for a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our hearts. And Lord, if there be any here that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, this might be that day that they come to put their faith and their trust in you. Lord, we ask that you would bless the preaching of your word. That you would use it in our lives and our hearts to bring glory to you. We ask these things in your wonderful, most precious name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this, Follow Peace and Holiness. 
Now, we consider the verses that start this portion of Scripture in chapter 12. So we go all the way back to verse 1 and verse number 2. And there we read, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, just in case you think that I told Brother Stephen what verses to start with this morning, I did not. <laughs> this is how God just ties stuff together. And so Brother Stephen shared with us this morning verse number 1 of chapter 12 here. 12, 1 and 2 have been verses that I've heard my whole life and I've been challenged with. And surely uh, you have too if you've been in church uh, any length of time. That there is a race that every child of God is involved in. And we are called to run the race of life. We are to run this race and how we run it is up to us. We can run it the Bible way, the way that the Bible instructs us to. Or we can run it the way that we want to. It's sad that many Christians today choose how they want to serve the Lord. It does not hinge on the way that the Lord wants us to serve Him. It is many times how we think we want to serve Him. But the Bible is still quite clear. The Bible tells us here in verse 1 and verse number 2 that there are some requirements to help us to run this race and to win. And God, by the way, wants us to win. God doesn't want us to fail. God doesn't sit up there and go, oh boy, I hope they blow it this time. God wants us to be winners. He wants us to win at this thing called life. Now, the Bible tells us here that uh, there are some requirements to help us to run this race. That we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, we're just coming off of uh, revival time and uh, undoubtedly I hope and pray that the Lord worked in your life at revival. I hope and pray that uh, Brother Wells was used in some way, something he said, some thought that he brought, some, some portion of scripture that spoke to your heart about how you were serving God or how your relationship is with the Lord. And, and we might have examined our life during this last week of revival. And we might have said to ourselves, you know, I need to cut this out of my life. This is not beneficial. It's not helpful. It's not helping me to grow to serve God. It's not causing me to be a better witness for God. Matter of fact, it's hindering me. It's stopping me. I need to get rid of that. Uh, we might have looked and said, you know, I need more Bible time. I need to be in my Bible more. I need... Less TV or less Facebook or less computer. I need more time God with God. I need FaceTime with God. I need to spend time with Him and not with the junk of this world that pulls me away from Him. Amen. That's cutting away the sin which does so easily beset us. That's helping us and preparing us to run the race in a way that we will finish well. He said, let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. This race that we are in takes a lifetime to run. 
Now, when I was a miler in high school, it was four laps around. About five, five ten, I think, was the best time I ever got. Five three was the best time I ever got. I, I run it normally in five ten. And uh, it was one of those things you, boom, the bullet goes off. The race starts, you pace yourself, you come around first time, second time, third time, fourth time. You come into the last curve, you know, I'm almost home. And you finish the race with all that you can. But it was a race of longevity. Wasn't like the little 75-yarder. Guy gets up, he's all hyped up. He's, you know, he's been drinking coffee and... And uh, Rocket and whatever else uh, energy drinks there are. He, he's at the starting line like this. And boom, and it's, it's over. It's done. The race of life is not like that. The race of life takes a lifetime. We're in the middle of it. Some of you are farther along than the rest of us. And some of you are just getting started. It will take a lifetime to run it. You say, I've made a mess of my life so far. That's okay. Because God allows resets. God wants you to reset. He wants you to draw close to Him again. He wants you to get back in to the race. He doesn't want you to sit on the sideline watching it. He wants you involved in it. We're to live our lives and run our race with the goal of pleasing Jesus Christ. It should be the number one thing that drives us as children of God. Then we read on down in our Bibles and find the verses where we are today in verse number 14 through 17. So with the thought of running the race, with the thought of setting aside the sin which does so easily beset us, with the thought of the idea that running this race is a lifetime event, our life, we will run the race In our life, in all that we do, we're running the race to please God. With all that considered, we come to verses 14, 15, 16, and 17, and we are are issued these thoughts. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And so Paul is telling the Hebrews here, look... This race is important. The race that you're running is very important. You're to lay aside the sin and the weights which does so easily beset us. You're to set those things aside. And when you do that, follow peace with all men. Not peace with just your friends. Not peace with just your family. But as much as you can, follow peace with all men. In other words, try to get along. Try to love the unlovable. Try to care about someone other than yourself. We're to strive to follow peace with all men. We shouldn't set out to be antagonistic and hateful and mean. And and you've probably met them. I've met plenty of them in my life. I really don't care if I meet any more. But I've met individuals that when you get to talking to them, you're like, man, this, this person's a drain on me. And it's all negative this, negative this, and negative this. And they want to talk about this person in a negative tone and this person in a negative tone. Before long, they're talking about you in a negative tone. And it, it's all that you can do to say, hey, wait a minute. I've got to live peaceably with this person. I've got to, I've got to send an example. I want to be a testimony to them of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. 
but it takes great work. As a child of God, first of all, I think we need to examine ourselves. Am I living a way that exhorts, uh, shows the peace of God to those around me? When people look at me, do they see peace in my life or do they see fear or distraction or selfishness? Any motivation that would pull us away from exampling the peace of God in our life? Now I'm telling you, I've often said I'm so thankful to live in this portion of history. It's exciting, isn't it? I mean, to think that I mean, we can go all the way back to uh, the first TV I ever saw was a black and white TV, and the phone hung on the wall, and they still had party lines at that time. And they got, finally got away with the phone on the wall. I can remember that the TVs finally became color. My brother-in-law would tease one of his daughters that you should have been alive when the world was done in black and white. <laughs> She was a, she's a special gift. <laughs> then there was color TVs. And then, you know, we had the, the thing called the computer. And it was this massive building. And everybody said, that's the beast right there. That's the beast. Now we carry the beast in our pockets. Yeah. What do you think about that? It would be interesting... How much uh, of that building is here? Yeah. All the brainiac stuff. And so they went to the computer, and then now we've got cell phones. And if you have a phone hanging on your home at the wall, or you know, a phone on your wall at your house, you've probably got a real relic hanging there. Most people don't even have landlines anymore. It's, it's mostly cellular. The world is changing. It's changing. It's progressing. In the midst of all this changing, though, comes a fear. As we've watched the world system shift, we saw the great Russia, the bear, at one time a, a great power alongside America. We saw it supposedly die, but we who knew prophecy knew that it was it couldn't die. And to see it revive. And I hate to even try to struggle with us and them where that is now. Because we don't have the leadership. We don't have the leadership we used to have. And it'd be pretty, pretty easy to go. It's just overcoming, preacher. the, The stock market's up and down and... And money, it's just, it's crazy what stuff costs. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. And I see in the future, it looks so unstable. Listen, our trust needs to be in God and His Word. And not in the stuff we see. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And we would live peaceably with all men. And And then he adds this, and holiness. Follow peace with all men, and we could say it this way, and follow holiness with all men. So as I'm walking with the peace of God in my heart, 
So I need to also have the holiness of God in my life. One of the writers I wrote after said this, and I believe it's, it's correct. He's talking about a sanctified believer. He's talking about a believer who wants to please God, who's saying no to the world, no to lust, no to the selfishness, no to those things that would drag him away from the things of God. He's saying no to those things, and he's seeking to live a holy, sanctified life, one that will be pleasing to God. He doesn't care what those around him would say. He doesn't care what their standard of holiness might be. What he cares about is what is pleasing to God. And what brings honor and glory to him? I want to live a life to please him, to bring glory to him. He is the number one goal of my life. To follow peace with all men and then to follow holiness. And notice, after the comedy, he says, Without which no man shall see the Lord. Now we could say that's referencing the person who should be living that, but I believe... That those two characteristics are necessary for people to see the Lord. If you're going to have a testimony for God, you ought to be able to show in your life the peace of God. And then you ought to be able to show in your life sanctification. I'm not like the world. I don't smoke. I, I don't drink. I don't party. I told my wife this morning. I said, man, I said, I'm just so worn out. It feels like I partied all night last night. I hate, I hate days like that. Well, I learn when they're Sunday mornings, right? But it's just like worn out, just worn out. There ought to be a sanctification to our life. The things that we used to do, we no longer do. Now we seek to walk with God. Now when people see us, they go, oh, here comes, here comes Christian Joe. Oh, it's Sunday morning. I know where they're going. They're pulling, out of their, they're pulling out of their house. I know where they're going. They're not going to the ball game. They're going to go to church. I know where they're going. I know what they're going to do. Uh, hey, don't go over to their house. They're not there. They're at church. It's Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. They're not there. They're at church. We ought to, there ought to be a, an example of the way that we live, a sanctification happening in our life that people go, there's something different about you. You're not like ordinary people. You don't talk like them. You don't, you don't slip cuss. You don't cuss at all. There's just something different about the way you live. There's something different about the places you go and the way you conduct yourself. There's something different there. All of that so that the world might look at us and see the Lord. Amen. That should be our number one goal. When we go to verse 15 and 16, and I want us to think about I've been reading over this. This has been a month-long process in my life, this preaching, this portion of Scripture. I want us to think about one word that's found three times in these two verses, and it's the word lest. Lest. L-E-S-T. Lest. Looking diligently, lest any man fell of the grace of God. Lest. Any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be a fornicator, a profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. And so I want us to consider these three lests found in these two verses. 
First of all, I think it does good to have a good definition of the word lest. Uh, Webster writes this about lest. That not for fear that. <laughs> what a definition. And then they use it this way. Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Oh, I get it. So he's saying this word lest says that if you're going to do this, or don't do this, because if you do this, then this will happen. So as the illustration here is Genesis 3, he says, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And so we find here these three lests are either one experienced as a result of not following peace with all men and holiness. The first less is lest any man fall from the grace of God. And so um, we start with looking diligently at this portion of scripture. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. But before we go there, we have to deal with these two words, looking diligently. Looking diligently. And the best illustration I can come up with that is my wife losing her keys. Is it true? Always. So, back to the little computer. Life 360 has saved our bacon more than once. It's amazing how you can find keys. She goes, I, I don't know. I, I think I may have left them at church. I said, well, let's look at Life 360 first. It says it's here in the house. Or... I found them in the car. It's pretty accurate. I mean, it doesn't tell you, but it kind of gives a, a dot. That dot is in the driveway. It's, got, it's right there in the driveway. In the car, in the driveway. On your side, down by the floor mat. It's just really helpful, okay? Yes. Older, I need more tools than that, though. Because I lose my keys also. And I, we spend time looking for phones and all kinds of great stuff. Well, most of you, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. But when you need those things, then it's looking diligently. It's like, I'm going to drop everything else I'm doing. I need to diligently look for this thing. This thing I need. Keys to car, phone, a $100 bill. I know I had that $100 bill somewhere. Uh, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're seeking, looking diligently means that you, you give a lot of attention to it because your eyes fixed and you're searching. And you want to you wanna see exactly what's going on. And you, you need to find that thing that's missing. And so he's telling us, look diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. We need to be watching for God's grace in our life. So thankful Brother Steve started teaching his Sunday school class today, talking about the grace of God. I'd hate to think where I would be today if it wasn't for the grace of God. Mm. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I know where I'd be today if it wasn't for the grace of God. I know exactly where I'd be. I'm so glad I'm not there. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I wake up in the morning and I can remember what I did the night before. I, I'm just so thankful for the grace of God. 
I look around at, at the car I drive, and I go, I'm thankful for the grace of God. The house I live in, I'm thankful for the grace of God. I walk in a closet, and I have clothes, and I'm like, I'm so thankful for the grace of God. His grace is, is so amazing, and it's around us in so many different ways. His grace needs to be looked for in the testing that comes our way. You ever face testings or trials in your life? And you, you, the trial or the testing comes, and if you're not careful, you become so focused on the trial and the testing that you don't see the grace of God around it. So as Cindy went through her cancer in 2020, our prayer was that God would use it for his honor and for his glory. We were looking for his grace. God, what, what are you trying to teach us? What is it that you want us to learn from this? And then how, how can those who are watching our life, how can they see your grace in our life as they watch us walk through this trial? You know what? It's at times like that, it's easy to become bitter. It's easy to become resentful to God. It's easy to say, God, I, I don't know why you do this to me. I've been serving you my whole life. I give you everything that I've got. <coughs> and now this is the way you're going to treat me? It's because we're not watching for the grace that God's given us. One writer says this of this phrase. Are falling back or a continual following away from where they once were with the Lord. When the trials come, instead of staying where they are with God, they, they turn away. They walk away because they say, if this is the way God's going to treat me, I'm not going that way anymore. They become less involved in spiritual areas. They become less involved in their Bible reading. They become less involved in their prayer life. They become less involved in church attendance. Listen, it's in the midst of the trials that we need to learn to draw closer to Him. Amen. It's when you need Him more in your life. In the midst of those trials and testings, it's time to come to Him. Yes. Miss Carrie, can I share your phone call? Miss Carrie called me this week. She goes, Preacher, I hope I get these numbers right. If not, it's the idea. Is $3,786.56 big money to you? Said, yeah. <laughs> like, you want to write me a check for it? That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's big money to me. She goes, it's big money to me, too. And she had had a test, and they wanted another test. And the one test was following too close to the other test. And they didn't think she should have had the test. And so they're going to bill her $3,700, whatever. She goes, I didn't know what to do. So I began to pray. Began to pray. She talked to some people, kind of just kept praying about it. She said, I finally decided, you know, if we're, if we're going to have to pay this, we're going to have to get on this. She calls the people, and they go, that bill's been paid. So if you have any bills that need to be paid, just tell Miss Carrie. She, she can pray it up. Pray it up, man. Yeah, $3,700, a lot of money. We have a greater God, though, right? A big and awesome God. You know, in the midst of that, she could have fretted. She could have worried. She could have gotten mad at God. But instead, she just turned to him. God, I need your help. 
I need you to do what only you can do. And he did it. And now I have this wonderful testimony we get to share with the church. And what a blessing to see God once again hear and answer prayer. His grace is sufficient in all of our needs. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 12 and 13, it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 6, 6 says, If they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified in themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to open shame. The falling away is nothing new. Christians do it year after year after year. I wish I could say that everyone who's ever been a Christian has stayed a Christian until they died and went to heaven. But the sad truth is that's not true. The sad truth is that some get in the race... And they're running the race really good. <coughs> and all of a sudden their grace gets tested. The grace of God in their life. And instead of looking for more grace. Instead of looking for God and see God's hand in the midst of what's going on. They get mad and quit. The lust took place in their life. They stopped fighting. And they become part of a statistic. The second lust that we find there is looking diligently lest any man fail the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby may be defiled now I want to be honest with you the root of bitterness here is what actually drove me to want to preach this portion of scripture because I'm afraid I see a lot of bitterness in lives of people today not just here but in general there's bitterness everywhere in the world in which we live. Amen. People are holding on to things that happened in their life and they haven't learned how to let go. They haven't learned how to deal with the situation. And it settles in their soul as a bitterness where they were once this sweet, innocent person or the sweet child of God and something happened to them. And rather than to seek God and ask God again for grace and help, in the midst of that trial, they sought to become bitter. They sought to say, I, I don't like what's happening here. I don't want this in my life. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse number 18, we read, Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe, whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God, to go and serve the gods of these nations, Lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. So, Barnes wrote about this. The illusion that there is to those who were idolaters and who instead of bearing the fruits of righteousness are promoting the piety and happiness of the nation would bear the fruits of idolatry and spread about, abroad irreligion and sin. The illusion in... Uh, in both cases is to a bitter plant springing up among those that were cultivated for ornament or use or to a tree bearing bitter and poisonous fruit among those that produce good fruit. <sighs> you know, in a church, a difficulty can come in the life of someone and we as fellow believers 
We ought to come around them and pray for them and encourage them and help them see the goodness of God in their life to, to help them to fight off the root of bitterness that's waiting to take root in their life. That's, that should be one of our goals. So let's say that giant child here. Come on up here just a minute. This little bitty guy. Let's talk about little bitty. He's a little bitty over here. Man, these kids. I wish they'd quit growing up. Good to see you. Let's say that, that Logan here is going through life. Okay? He's, he's, in, he's in youth group. Everything's good. And then let's say that, let's say that, that someone from the youth group, we won't even pick anybody because it really doesn't matter. Someone gets after Logan and Logan is like, I can't tolerate this. I'm not going to tolerate that. That's the way that my youth group's going to treat me. I'm walking away. And I'm telling you, you need to be after him, right? Anyhow. That's a side, side, side learner. <clears throat> but he gets mad. He's mad at the youth group. The root of bitterness begins to spring up in his heart. Well, that's the way they treat me. And so when he does go to youth group, he's mean and hateful to everybody. He, he doesn't care. They talk about prayer requests. He's not writing any prayer requests. All he can think about is himself. He's become bitter. He's become hateful. It won't be long before in his life he's walking away from God, the things of God, the people of God. He has no desire in his heart. Just walk with me a little he has no desire in his heart to, to ever see them again. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He, and before long, if he's not careful, he walks himself right on out the door. Happens, I don't know how many times a year. When somebody come up, good youth director. A good youth director. Short good youth director. <laughs> And he'd go, hey, bud, I, uh, I saw what happened there. I just want you to know I'm praying that bitterness doesn't set in about this. I'm praying that, that, these, that they'll get this worked out. After he goes and he prays with him, trying to keep him, then he comes over here and he talks to these guys. He goes, you know, hey, this wasn't quite right, what we did here and all that. And you guys, you know, you can make amends here. We can make this all good. And he goes back over here and he goes, man, I just want you to know I'm continuing to pray for you, brother. And, you know, if I can help you, I want to do that. And I want you to keep coming to class. And he keeps working on him. He keeps him in. Right? Isn't that one of the functions of a body of believers, I think? Yeah. We would encourage each other to continue in our walk with the Lord and Amen. continue serving God. And not just say, oh, they're expendable. We'll, we'll get someone else, you know. People aren't expendable. People matter. Young people especially matter because they got the whole life ahead of them. But old people matter too. We all matter before God. Amen. So we observe a situation. I'm not saying be a busybody or you know, but and you pray about it, and God says you ought to go talk to that person. Then the, God's not saying you need to have the preacher go talk to that person. God told you you need to go talk to him. Go talk to him. Encourage him in the things of God. Encourage him to walk with God. And maybe you can become a peacemaker, as the Bible talks about in the Beatitudes. 
My father-in-law was the perfect peacemaker. I don't know how many times I watched him step in between two people that had a misunderstanding and kind of meld that thing together. And it, it was just amazing to watch it work. But the root, thank you guys. The root of bitterness. Unless a root of bitterness would take place. And I've met people who have been out of church most of their life. But I remember we lived over uh, in town there uh, in uh, Tanglewood. And this lady came by and she was, uh, I don't know what, what she was selling or something. We got talking about church. She asked what I did for a living. I told her that I was a pastor of a church. And she said, oh, we used to go to church. We haven't gone for a while. And I said, so where did you go to church? She said, well, we moved here. And she named a little town in Missouri. We went to um, a Baptist church in this little town. I said, great. I said, um, was it like a Southern Baptist? She goes, no, it's an independent Baptist church. And I said, oh. Well, that's awesome. We're an independent Baptist. I'm trying to find identification things to help, you know, to bring her to church. And she goes, yeah, I'll never go back to church. And I said, why? And she goes, we had a horrible fight over the color of the carpet. <laughs> what? <laughs> color of the carpet. Sad. Sad. You know, the thing about bitterness is that bitterness will lock you in a cell. And it doesn't care how long you stay there. Bitterness can lock you in a cell. And I've watched people spend an entire lifetime locked in a cell of bitterness. And nothing's ever good enough. Nothing ever helpful. Bitterness. The third less, we must move. The third less, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. Now, this is talking about a spiritual fornication, okay? I, I think we understand because it includes the cell of his birthright. We're talking about a spiritual fornication here. Matter of fact, verse 16 says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat... Sold his birthright. Verse 17. For ye know how that afterwards when he would have inherited the blessing. He was rejected for he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears. Here is someone who took <clears throat> the birthright. Which was a huge deal in the Jewish society. One person said. One of the writers I read after said this is that. Esau had no more brains than the animals that he killed. He lived for the pleasures of this world. He was all about pleasuring himself. It wasn't about my responsibility. It wasn't about where's my future going. It wasn't about those things. Now the sad part is today that in the world in which we live, I'm watching a society that's raising young men who don't have a desire to do something when they graduate high school. Many of them don't have a desire to graduate high school. I didn't either. I get that. But I knew that I wasn't going to live in mommy and daddy's house the rest of my life. And I had to figure out I would need to do something. But that's not a big drive in our society anymore. And it wasn't long after I met my wife, I thought, I want to get married. 
That's what I want to do. I want to get married. I, yeah, I want to get married. It's amazing to me how many young men aren't seeking to get married anymore. They have no desire of a job. They're not looking towards a job. Now, I'm thankful. We're talking to the choir here because our young men have grown up. They grow up with work ethics. They desire uh, to marry, and they do that. And they get great jobs. But I'm telling you, we're living in a generation where that's not pushed. It's not taught at home. In the home, we need to be teaching our young men responsibility. We need to be teaching them those things along with our ladies. They need to grow up with the idea that, hey, these things need to be done. But Esau here had grown up with no teaching. And Esau had been out hunting because he could just do whatever he wanted. And he comes in from a hunt one day. And here's his deceiving brother Jacob. And he looks at Esau, and he's cooking some food there. We might say he's a mommy's boy. He probably got an apron on doing some cooking. Not that all men who cook are mommy's boys, because I like to my share of cooking. But he's doing the cooking. His brother comes in, and he says, hey, what you cooking? He goes, oh, I got some pottage here. And he goes, hey, uh, man, I'm really fake. Would you give me something to eat? And rather being a good brother, sure, here's a bowl. He's a deceitful brother. And he says, nah, nah, this is for me. And he goes, oh, come on, man, I, I'm faint. I'm, I'm about ready to die. What a lie. I'm about ready to die. It's amazing how, anyhow, I'm about ready to die. And, and he's like, no, no, okay, if you really want something, why don't you sell me the birthright? And this kid is thinking, yeah, birthright, smurfright, I just want to eat. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll sell it to you. And then he shakes hands, he feeds him, and he, he leaves. Not even think about what he gave up. The birthright was a double portion. The birthright was the, the enabler of him to be the next spiritual leader in the home. And yet Esau despised the whole thing for food. I like food, but I don't like food that much. Not at a cost of a double inheritance. Not at a cost of the fact that now you're not going to be the leader the spiritually of the home. And he despised it all. And so he's talking here about for one morsel of meat, he sold his birthright. The Bible refers to him as a fornicator, a profane person, because he thought more of the physical than he did the spiritual. He thought more of the food that he was going to consume than the spiritual ramifications of that birthright. What it was going to truly cost him from being able to serve God or to seek God or to walk with God. And of course, I want to go back to mom and dad in many ways and say, why didn't they train him better? Why didn't they teach him the importance of what was lying ahead of him and the importance of that birthright? And maybe the other side of that is that he had been trained. And that's what makes this even worse. That he knew exactly what he was given up. But we find the result in verse 17. Where he knows how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. So there's a birthright and there's a blessing. He despised the birthright and he sold it for a, a meal. 
There's a blessing to come. Maybe his thinking was, I'll give up one, I'll still have the other. But deceitful Jacob and a deceitful mother who overheard the father tell Esau, go and kill my venison like I like and prepare it and bring it back and I'll bless thee. Mother steps in and she takes Jacob and they prepare meat and they put skins on him so that he's a hairy man. And he goes in and he deceives his father and he gets the blessing. And now Esau has not only given away his birthright, but he's lost the blessing. He was rejected. And the scripture says at the end of verse 17, For he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears. You remember the story. Jacob has left. His father has blessed him. And Esau comes in. And he goes, I, I brought the food. And he's explained to his dad how God had blessed the hunt. How he he'd got the meat. He had prepared it. And he, I can almost see uh, Jacob's, or uh, Laban's, uh, nah. yeah. Jacob's dad's face, Israel just turned white as if a ghost, as if he had seen a ghost, and he realized I'd given the blessing to the wrong child. I was deceived. The wrong child got it. And he tells Esau, I've, I've given everything to him. And he starts crying. Well, he's taken the birthright. No, you gave the birthright away for some meat. And your deceitful brother came and he got the blessing. But if you'd never given away the birthright, and through all these tears, he's begging his dad back and forth and back and forth. Don't you have anything? Don't you have anything for me? And so he talks, he gives him a blessing, but it's not near the blessing that he lost. Christian friend, where to run a race. Don't settle for anything else. Don't be distracted. Lest this happen, we fall from the grace of God. Lest this happens, a root of bitterness takes place in our hearts. Lest this happens, that we become as an Esau. We spiritually adulterate ourselves, walking away from the very God that we love, that we've tried to serve our whole life. We just spiritually walk away from Him. Let's stay close to God. Let's look for the grace of God. Let's help others look for the grace of God. Let's stay close to him and be an example of what Jesus Christ has done in our life. Let's run this race to bring glory to him. Lord, we love you. <coughs> and we thank you so much for the truth of your word. And what a challenge today as we think about how different areas can come into our life, different things can come into our life and hinder us and stop us from running our race well. Help us to seek to put you first. Help us seek to walk with you and serve you. And be found pleasing in your sight. Take this invitation. Use it in our lives and our hearts. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to have a moment of invitation. God spoke to your heart. I encourage you to come. Whatever you need. God leads you in your heart today. Would you come?
teen class starting up on Wednesday night, and then we have outreach coming up on Saturday at 9 o'clock. If you can help in that area, it would be a real blessing. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer, and we'll dismiss today. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your many blessings to us. We pray that you would go before us this week and walk with us, help us to walk with you, run this race that you've called us to run. Help us to lay aside those sins and those weights that easily beset us. Help us to be found faithful. Help us to be found as testimonies and witnesses to the world around us. We love you and we thank you for our time together this morning. Pray that you be with us as we leave here. And bless over to lunchtime. Help us as we reconvene at one for the afternoon service. We love you and we ask these things in your name. Amen. God bless you. Amen.